Hello and welcome to this Grace Baptist Mission Media podcast. You're going to hear Serving Today, a program for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in discipling others or perhaps you teach the Bible one-to-one or in a small group, Serving Today will be relevant for a wide range of believers. Welcome to Serving Today, the program for the leaders in God's church. This is Andrew Cook. It's good to be together once more. Christian Basics, more from Dr John Hall. We continue our consideration of the Bible's teaching on the church in our Christian Basics series. I'm sure you'll have noticed how children repeatedly ask questions beginning with the word why. Maybe you'll do something and they'll say, why did you do that? Children realise that there is a purpose for everything and if they don't already know it, then they ask us to supply the answer and that is to be encouraged. In a similar way, the same applies to the spiritual realm. All that the Lord our God does has a purpose. And so, here on Serving Today, we're going to ask that kind of question about the church. Derek French has spoken with John Hall for us, and he asked him to tell us what each local church should be doing, what is its purpose, and why is it here. What I'll do is give a list, and then we'll go through each of the things on the list in turn. But I wonder, listener, what you would say. What is the function of a local church? Perhaps you could ponder that and write the things down. But here's the list. Firstly, its function is to worship God. Secondly, teaching and preaching the truth. In other words, teaching the Bible. Then the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper, properly organised and held. Fellowship, sharing spiritual things. Fifthly, discipline, where the body is kept honouring to Christ. And sixthly, evangelism and mission, where the church seeks to obey Christ and to spread the gospel. John, that's a very interesting lesson. You said the first and and really the most important function or activity of the local church is to worship God. Mm. And um, I think that's right. And I also think it would be very useful if you could enlarge on that a bit for us. Because today there are many people, many Christians who really think of worship in very restricted terms. For example, some think of it solely in terms of singing, when they sing hymns and that. I remember once someone coming to visit my own church and came to the meeting place and and they described a part of the main hall as a worship area, as if worship was limited to that one place in the building. Now, these are really quite inadequate views of worship, aren't they? So how Mm. does the Bible define worship for us and how is each church to engage in it? Yes, Derek, you're quite right that worship is a much misused and misunderstood term today amongst Christians often almost completely restricted to some form of music and singing. In the Bible, it's a much wider term. It means to praise and adore and serve God. And sometimes in the Bible, it's used to indicate what the whole of the Christian life should be like, worship and serving God every day in every sphere of life. And it's used like that, for instance, in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, which Derek's going to read for us. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. As this chapter in Romans 12 goes on, it shows what life is to be like in the gathered church. 
and in the community of Christians. But when we say we're going to church or the gathering of Christians to worship God, we're narrowing down that word worship to the specific time when we Christians gather together as a local church. And when we do gather together as a local church for worshipping God, we gather to praise and adore God. And it's much more than just an hour of singing. It does include singing, but it also includes prayer, the reading of God's word, and preaching and teaching of God's word. You may say to me, well, how can preaching and teaching be worship? Well, it's a very, very important part of worship. Because if you really, as a listener, responding to the word of God, the Bible taught will lead you into praise and adoration. As the word of God is read and explained and preached and applied by the Holy Spirit to our hearts, we listeners see more of God's great glory and love and mercy. And as a result of learning these things, seek to respond to him with praise, with adoration, with service. Worship, as we gather as Christians, is primarily inward and spiritual. And we've largely lost that idea. We've become too obsessed with the outward forms of worship, too taken up with what sort of music is used. You remember when Jesus was speaking to the Samaritan woman in John's Gospel in chapter 4. She pointed out that Jews and Samaritans worship God in two different geographical places. And then Jesus said to her, A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. True worship, true praise and adoration and service of God is inward. It's also Trinitarian. In other words, it involves Father, Son and Holy Spirit. You can notice this structure in Ephesians 2 and verse 18, which Derek is going to read to us. For through him, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. So this is what the dynamic of worship is described here. Through Christ, through his saving grace, through his intercession for us in heaven, both Jew and Gentile gather together in this new body, the, the church, have access to God the Father. And this is all enabled and empowered. And the believers are given understanding and ability to do this by the one Spirit. So in worship, we come to praise and adore God, especially the Father, through the Son's saving work and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Worship is to be God-centred, not man-centred. It's to be taken up with God and his glory, learning more about it and bringing glory to God. Derek, as an example of Old Testament worship, could you now read for us Psalm 100? Yes, the psalmist writes... Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. 
Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, giving thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. It's a lovely psalm, isn't it? It so, is, Derek. So full of God, isn't it? So full of God. And it emphasizes what worship is, coming before God to praise and adore him for all his goodness to us. Not primarily centered on ourselves or how we feel, but on what God is and what he's done. And that in itself produces joy and thanksgiving and adoration. In the New Testament, Paul writes to the Ephesians in Ephesians 5 verses 19 and 20 that they are to be filled with the Spirit and then he says they are to speak to one another and Derek's going to read those verses to us now in Ephesians 5. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can see that Old Testament worship and New Testament worship have much in common when it talks of coming into God's presence with joy and thanksgiving. In Hebrews too, it says that the Christians are not to neglect gathering together and that when they are gathering together, it says what we're to do at those times. And we're going to read now Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we gather to worship the triune God, coming to the Father through the Son by the Spirit. We gather to sing his praises, to adore him, to thank him. We gather to listen to his word, which is the next area that we're going to look at. John, you said another function of each church was to ensure that the truth was taught and preached. Again, a very important function. So could you enlarge a little on that for us and show us why this is so necessary? Yes, let's first of all look at the Apostle Paul's example. He was taking his leave of the Ephesian elders. He was warning them of dangers ahead from false teaching. And then he said this in Acts 20 verse 20 that you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. He says in verse 27 that he had proclaimed to them the whole will of God. And then in verse 29 and 30, he warns them. Please read that for us, Derek. Yes, these are quite searching words, aren't they mm. really? Solemn in one way, but mm. also encouraging. I know that after I leave... Savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. So we see here in this section of Acts 20, Paul's example. He was teaching publicly, house to house, warning them night and day. He brought God's word to them and impressed it on them. The whole will of God he taught, and this is what must go on in our churches. Also, Paul, when writing to Timothy to tell him how people should conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church, he says to Timothy that Timothy is to hold on and to preserve the pattern of sound teaching that he himself has received from Paul. 
and then he also has to pass it on. Let's look at some of these verses now. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 13, where Timothy is urged to keep hold of the teaching. Paul writes, What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. And then he is to pass on what he keeps hold of by teaching it to others. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. And this preaching and teaching of the word of God requires effort and courage. For Paul writes this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So a function of the church is teaching and preaching the word of God, the Bible. It's a function of the gathered church. It's a way that we find out about salvation. It's a way our lives are corrected. It's a way we're encouraged. And the preachers have to do it with courage and patience and careful instruction. And with that, we close our time together here on Serving Today. This is Andrew Cook saying goodbye. May God use you to the glory of Christ. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. There are a number of ways to get in touch. Our email address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk. Find us on Twitter at servingtodaygbm. Or you can search our web catalogue at www.gbm.org.uk forward slash radio. Thanks for listening and goodbye.